Welcome to GLOW, the Glorious Ladies of Engineering podcast. In the spirit of reconciliation, I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Our purpose with this podcast is to inspire women and non-binary folk to pursue and continue careers in engineering by spotlighting leaders, role models, and peers, showcasing achievements, and discussing challenges at all stages of our professional lives. My name's Nicole, and I'm from Calgary, Alberta. Today's episode is the third in a series of seven episodes. As I've mentioned in parts one and two, we received a lot of positive feedback from our initial podcast guest callout, and I wanted to talk to everyone. Each episode in this series is a compilation of answers to one of the seven questions that I asked each woman. Within this series, I'm hoping to inspire and also spread the word about what a career in engineering could look like. With doctors, firefighters, teachers, etc., it's much easier for young people to get an idea of what those careers look like because we see them. But how often do we get to see engineers in their natural habitat if we don't know one in real life? In part three, I'm asking the women about challenges they have faced in their careers. I will include a short summary for each woman as we go through this episode. I'm also keeping them in the same order for each episode in hopes that it will be easier to follow. But if you forget who anyone is or need a refresher, you can always go back to episode one. So without further ado, let's get into it. First, we have Alexis Mulligan, a fifth-year chemical engineering and biomedical engineering student at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. She was fortunate enough to find a great group of role models at Dalhousie and has dedicated her time there to promote and support women in engineering. What challenges have you faced so far within your engineering role? I think the most challenging aspect for my schooling aspect so far was doing last year completely online due to COVID. I know last year was hard for everyone and especially students. And for me, we were completing 50 plus page lab reports and spending hours on data analysis on labs we never physically did and on equipment we haven't even laid our eyes on before. So that was definitely challenging. And with the workplace, I'm doing co-op. So this is my fourth co-op term this summer. So the most difficult aspect for me was interviewing for companies for these placements. Um, I had around 15 interviews the start of my third year, which is when you start co-op. So that was my first term. And it's really hard to get your first placement because you're competing against students at all years. So you're in third year and you're competing against students in fifth year who already have all that experience under their belt. But after writing so many cover letters and interviews, you do eventually get better. But my co-op experience has helped me a lot with not only the work experience, but experience and how to get the job in the first place. Four co-op terms is impressive. Those are hard to get. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I found three of them in PEI through family connections. So that always helps for sure. Kelsey Van Tassel is a mechanical engineer and energy modeler working in Vancouver, British Columbia. What challenges have you faced in your engineering role? I don't fit in well with like strict schedules. <laughs> I am a super, super night owl and I, I cannot, I cannot get to work early in the morning. I can't. <laughs> and so there's, you know, most engineering firms are 
still pretty butts in seats, pretty traditional. And so that has been a conflict in many of my jobs. I negotiated work from home agreements before the pandemic made it just normal now, which I'm super grateful for, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. So I had, had to do a lot of the negotiations for that. Like when I started as salaried, I I negotiated. I was like, I was the only one that had a, a, blo- a chunk of like so many hours a month work from home. But I can also get away with it because it's an energy model. Like no one else has my job anyway. I'm already going to be weird. I'm already going to be like <laughs> the odd employee out doing something else. Not necessarily, you know, with the with the designers or anything. So, so I, it, it helps I can kind of get away with it. <laughs> Next, we have Neha Ninam, an electrical engineer working with embedded systems in southwestern Ontario. While she doesn't have one specific role model, she tries to emulate certain characteristics of those she looks up to, including her communications professor, who she still remains in contact with. So what challenges have you faced in your role as an engineer? I guess all kinds of different challenges. Well, one of them actually is, is kind of interesting, actually, going off of the you know, introvert versus extrovert is that sort of barrier that happened a lot. So when I was as working as QA, first of all, it was kind of interesting because I was the only female in that entire room of all like male developers. And I was the only QA. So it was kind of interesting with me sort of coming in with all of these differences and then saying, hey, actually, this thing that you just built that you're super proud of, I'm also proud of you for doing it, but we've got a tiny flaw in here that we have to fix. Um, and I think developing that relationship with people who exactly like you said, you know, if you're not tech speaking, then I don't I, like it's hard for me to totally communicate. But as QA, of course, you're tech speaking, too, but you're trying to help them understand. Sometimes you're trying to help them understand more soft things like a user experience thing or like other kinds of impact where, you know, now that conversation has to change a little bit. But because you have to build these relationships in the sense that you need to build this trust with each other, then that gets a little bit tricky as well. I think that might slightly be a part of just working in IT, but I think as it relates to engineers that it, that happens actually, well, happened. Now I've been here for a couple of years, so it's cool, but um, happened a little bit as well at my current place where so many engineers, so much great technical knowledge but i'm i'm working with this team as their product owner so now i got to be able to like speak the tech speak but then do the same kind of thing right so um i'd say that was one thing and then maybe just the other thing i'd say is um learning new new technical things or concepts or what have you at at one point i was working at a place that um was implementing uh machine learning in all different kinds of ways and that is new and certainly something that I was not exposed to before. And conceptually, it makes sense. But I think uh, when I started sort of working, it was a it was a software as a service business. So while I was then there trying to understand how this thing works and, and communicating that with customers and whatnot, that was a little bit sort of challenging to kind of be like, hey, like, how do I explain this technical thing that I'm still kind of learning to a customer who's not technical so that they'll understand and maybe not be so upset? <laughs> Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. After we talked to Vivian Kasuth, a maintenance engineer in Lethbridge, Alberta, we were so moved by what she had to say that we featured her in a season one episode. If you want to hear everything that Vivian and I talked about, 
check out episode 4 of season 1. As you heard in part 2, Vivian has felt lonely in her career and had only a handful of female colleagues. We really felt for Vivian in that moment, and know that unfortunately, she's not alone in feeling that way. This is one of the intents of our podcast, to bridge the gap between silos and build a community across the country. Well, we kind of covered it. What challenges have you faced in your engineering role? Oh my gosh. See, that one was totally blank last night. Because I just... it. I wish I put notes because I think the, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge, you know, that... It's just being, just being a woman in engineering, the challenge is continually feeling you have to prove yourself that people, you know, they're not, they don't blatantly ask for that, but it comes out in the, in the, the words that they echo back to you, but it's not even an echo because you, you say things, you, you talk the technical speak, you you get along with everyone you you think you, you know like you even more masculinize your look right you you wear trousers and a dress shirt you don't do your hair as fancy you really don't care about makeup like it, it you you're just a low maintenance person because you just are focused on the work but they still don't they don't see that you're focused on the work and they don't hear that when you can speak the technical speak that these are original thoughts and these this is what my my brain and my degree are the same as every person who graduated from my school and it it still isn't equal and i i think the younger generations get it and i've you know i've had a I've had a lot of opportunity to work with with engineers who are of the millennium millennial generation. You know, and the reason, you know, they're my colleagues because I keep being put into entry-level engineering positions every time I apply for things. Nonetheless, my colleagues are still first rate because they have the same engineering degree that I got 20 years ago so we speak the same language and because they are of the this generation who who's starting to you know they they grew up getting it they grew up with pride day they grew up with you know with with groups like the LGBTQ community already being part of the status quo or or breaking through status quo stereotypes and that they are now integrated into our community like this generation grew up where where gay marriage was legal so they had this understanding that you know we respect more people so when when you talk to them about issues they get it more so they're very accepting of of me 20 years into my career when they're my when they're my equals on a on a project and um you know those are going to be our future leaders who will hopefully one day make those hiring decisions and they'll do it with a a lot less bias and so i guess that yeah the challenge right now is just 
with the generations who did hire me in the past and who are currently in the roles that do, you know, do the hiring, earn those decision-making roles. There are the biases that are going to be stuck there. And there, there are days and there are times like right now where I don't have a lot of hope for my, the remainder of my career. I'm just going to stick it out just because I know that, yeah, those people are still going to be there at the end of my career. Well, for what it's worth, the millennials on your team, I'm sure are extremely happy to have you. (laughs) You know, I think you probably, I I have to assume that you bring a level of expertise that, that they don't have and that, that they all go to you for advice. And so while you may not have a mentor, you are still mentoring all of those people on your team. So you're contributing in a huge way. Next, we have Heather Elliott, an envelope engineer in Calgary, Alberta. She looks up to her mom, who broke through the glass ceiling in a male-dominated industry. Heather also looks to senior leadership at the firm she works at to help mentor and guide her in her current leadership role. What challenges have you faced in your engineering role? Mm, yeah, this is an interesting question to me. I think from, um, from a positive challenge standpoint, funny enough, the reason I'm in engineering is because I like to be challenged. So I think that there's, there's that side of it, obviously, of actually, I think that challenge is actually part of our role. And that is why we, we kind of gravitate towards it. I don't think that someone who maybe, if your personality type is one that maybe does not enjoy challenges and kind of solving problems. Engineering is usually funny enough, not for you, uh, is what I find. But there's also negative challenges, of course. I'd say from my side, biggest one I've found is actually challenges that I put on myself. I'm definitely a perfectionist. And so in my role, I think that it almost can perpetuate itself. People value a bit of perfectionism when it comes to engineering, but you can take it too far. Uh, And you actually kind of uh, dig yourself into the hole of, you know, being too conservative, which I think is an interesting thing where I have to take a step back and be like, okay, you know, what, what am I doing here? You know, have I, have I kind of taken things too, too far off the mark? Do we kind of have to back off and kind of bring it back around and have conversations about that? I always find that to be a challenge for myself. And what's interesting too, is that I've always loved being on site. And I would say that I've been extremely lucky to really not run into as many challenges as, as some people have. I've heard so many horror stories, but you do definitely develop a little bit of a Napoleon complex, I'll say, as a um, petite young female. (laughs) That is, it's tough sometimes. And and you do kind of have to put on a bit of a a persona uh, to kind of get your voice heard for sure. And that that was definitely a challenge for me uh, when I was first on site. Yeah, I was shy to that. (laughs) Shy, petite, young female (laughs) for things that really maybe don't help you on on your first work site yeah I would probably share a lot of that having been through most of that myself although yeah I too have not experienced a lot of the negative things that I've heard which which makes me wonder if I do experience it and I'm just oblivious or if I just Mm -hmm. put off this persona that's like don't mess with me which is possible I can be abrasive sometimes but I also think that you know when the first time I work with someone they're usually like well what is like who is this what's going on this is different but then once we've worked together for a little bit and they understand that I want to work together and I listen to their ideas and 
I get them answers when they need them and I don't hold things up, then usually people like working with me because I try to be Mm -hmm. as like reasonable as possible. And I also look at it as a collective. So yes, there's design standards that we have to follow, but you're the one putting it in. And so if you think that this routing is better, then we should probably do that routing if it doesn't compromise the design. And I'm more than willing to have those discussions. I find that helpful, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm just oblivious. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I wonder about that as well. And I know I've had the discussion with other people, other women, even other minorities of different kinds, like it, because it's interesting to see how the experience of one of my staff who is Asian, but male, but his his um, um, experience on site might be negative for other reasons. Like it's actually really interesting to see like different sides of the coin when it comes to like challenges faced specifically on a site role, because uh, I do think that you get challenged potentially more um, and you might become oblivious to it because you create kind of a call and answer to that mm-hmm. and then it just becomes natural. But I, I, I always think it's, uh, to me, part of the challenge is to kind of back off from that kind of like, well, let's just fight about it all the time mentality because it also doesn't help. I find that being the team player and like you said, you know, actually being open to change is for me funny enough challenging because I am more of a you know perfectionist and just want to follow I'm a very procedural mind so sometimes when someone says well instead of a let's do b uh, my initial thought is like absolutely not right like I don't even want to talk about it but if I can actually challenge myself to kind of back off on it and be like wait a second you know like am I being the conservative one here hear them out and then actually a lot of the time you realize like oh that is a great idea like let's 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 work with that and I found that that's actually a change that I had to make like for myself like at first in my I'd say like when I was uh, starting out I felt like I have to fight everyone on everything because if I don't I'm gonna get you know they're gonna walk all over me Mm -hmm. but I found that perhaps that's not true and that you know maybe there's the one odd personality out there like that but that the majority of, of people just want to have their opinion heard and respected. And then when you actually look at it overall, it's like, oh, yeah, like there's some great ideas coming from so many people. And then if you're willing to listen to them, they're then willing to listen to you the next yeah. time as well. It's so collaborative. Megan Bowen is a mechanical and environmental engineer who recently completed her master's in renewable energy and engineering management. She originally wanted to be an astronaut and she even met some at space camp. Megan's role models are her dad, who is a petroleum engineer, and her mom, who has an incredible work ethic. What challenges have you faced in your engineering roles? Uh, Yeah, so um, there are some of the initial technical ones, especially right at a school, like you have the theory, but you don't have the practice. You don't know how, um, how to actually design something, how to actually do those calculations even just as simple as learning the, the latest softwares and stuff. So there, there's certainly that period as an EIT, there's, there's the initial technical challenge. You don't know what you don't know, and you really got to get up to speed. And then the next part would be corporate challenges, in the sense that I don't think school, because you're in this environment where everyone's the same age, and everyone has, has a relatively similar background, and you have relatively similar goals. So then you enter a kind of corporate world and, um, well, you also have to deal with IT professionals, HR professionals, accounting professionals, and uh, of all different age groups, of all different experience 
uh, durations and types. And sometimes there's politics involved in that. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and not having to deal with like people who are just like you anymore, um, kind of challenges that. And then trying to set yourself up on a career path, which you didn't even know that was something you needed to do in, in school. Um, so yeah, the corporate challenge. And then finally for me, it was also communication. I again had in school been trained to present and explain things to people who already had an engineering background. But once you have to present to um, a corporate investor or um, an actuary to get your um, insurance for for the property that you're going after or something, you have to learn a different language that um, you can actually explain your technical solution to things in a convincing way. I'm going to pause here for a second to talk about my challenges. I think a lot of my challenges have been more related to colleagues outside of the firms I've worked for. In building construction, there are a lot of moving parts and sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen. Often there's a lot of emotional labor taken to resolve problems or deal with changes mid-construction. In addition, I have been noticing over the last few months, and maybe this is because I am new to a leadership role or because this podcast has exposed me to a lot of things that were not front of mind before, but making changes within engineering firms, even when you can prove value, has been a real challenge. As companies grow and develop, they sometimes need to streamline or change procedures to make them more productive and successful, but change is really, really hard. Next, we have Hannah Kaufman, a mechanical engineer from Rochester, New York, who received her degree at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. She had a hard time finding role models, which was a bit of a common theme, but she was able to find them through co-op placements, which ultimately led to her first job post-university. What challenges have you faced in your engineering role? <laughs> Is that a lot uh, I mean... Uh... There's so many different levels you can answer that question on. Uh, you could talk about like sexist remarks that you've got gone at work or the backhanded kind of things. I had someone say to me on one of my co-ops, essentially knowing that I'm the engineering co-op student, saying that I should be their secretary. Excuse me. Uh, what? I've had, I've had men say to me when I'm in overalls on site say I like women in uniform oh my god I like I've had very sexist things happen to me I mean that's like the most obvious one right you have your Mm. I've I've had my peers always have me do the formatting and stuff when I've already done 80% of the project already on my own that's a group project and I'm like no no as women we often land ourselves in the administrative roles I find I get there because, not necessarily because people put me there, but just because when someone doesn't do something the way that I want them to, then I just kind of take over, which is my own fault. But I'm like, well, you're not, you're not organized enough to put this together. So I'll just do it for you, which is not, I should not be doing that. But I do find that really common. I feel like, I feel like that's true to an extent, but also your team is only as strong as your weakest link. And not that the woman is your weakest link, but that is the usually the assumption. Mm-hmm. And I think as women in engineering, we or at STEM in general, we usually go a hundred and ten times or so much harder than we need to, because 
we already know what we're up against. We already know that we're being doubted at every corner. And we don't, even though it's not our fault for something our colleague did, is we know if we're in a group project, we're going to be the one that people are going to scrutinize for it. They are going to scrutinize John, you know? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to force yourself. And it's frustrating. It's not fair. But it's kind of a reality of the situation, as is. Not that it should stay that way. No, we're going to change it. Definitely. And last but certainly not least, we have Saffron Skinner-Wilson, a building envelope engineer in Calgary, Alberta. She's not your typical engineer, which I find inspiring. Saffron has been fortunate to find many role models from all walks of life and believes that providing value for the mentor and mentee is a great way to expand your skill set and your network. What challenges have you faced in your engineering role? I think most of my challenges have been self-inflicted. Um, I am, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my husband would agree with that statement. <laughs> um, I, I really am a type A driven personality and more so than anything else. It has been standards that I've set for myself that are either hard to achieve or not quite achievable in the time frame that I've, that I've given myself. So the, the industry itself, I find really interesting because, and I'm sure most professions are this way, but definitely in engineering, you can take on as much as you possibly want to take on and you can get enough rope to hang yourself. So if you want to be the best specialist in this one field, you can, you can take all your time outside of work and you can learn the thing, but someone will always be better. Or you can try and be the best generalist out there, but then you'll be missing information. And so for me, my biggest challenge is understanding what information and development is critical for me at that time. And then what can later be built uh, from that foundation, rather than just being like, I want it all now and I'm the best. I know there's been times that I've had crazy workloads that I've, again, it's been kind of self-imposed where it's like, no, I can take this on. Um, I can say yes to all the things. I can do all the things. And then eventually you get to the point where you go, no, oh dear. <laughs> Shit's hitting the fan. Pardon my language. <laughs> um, so I think honestly, yeah. that's been my, my biggest challenge. And for me, I'm not strong technically. I, we've already talked about the dyslexia and math and so I, I lean heavily towards project management and interpersonal skills. And that technical development is the thing that I usually get myself a little bit too caught up in where I commit to a lot of things and then have to spend a lot of time learning what I just committed myself to. Yeah, I think that's great advice, though, because coming out of school there, you come up, I think you graduate from school and you think you know everything and then you yes. start in the real world and you realize, you know, nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, where do I go from here? And how do I grow? Like, you know, you see all these people that have 20, 30 year careers and you're like, I want to be like them, but how do I get there? Uh, and it's, it's pro it's almost overwhelming. I mean, it's it been is. a while since I've been there, but it's a, it's a lot. It's actually really funny because intuitive, the company I work for is a phenomenal company. Like I absolutely, I have found my fit. I have found my people. I I'm really happy. Um, but one of the great things I like is it can be really self-driven and self-propelled. So you can set your own targets, goals, plan and follow through on it as long as you can demonstrate value to the company. So I was like, sweet, I want to get, I want to spend the shortest amount of time in this one position before moving on to the next position. So I, I openly said to everyone, like, I'm gunning for this next position in, I think it ended up being like 10 months time when I was telling people. And then literally 
not even like a day later was having panic attacks. It's like, I can't meet this. I can't do this. And it was true because <laughs> I just set myself a goal that was not achievable and then proceeded to give myself panic attacks that my husband had to be like, calm down, go sit with a glass of water and just like, just be still for a while. <laughs> so yes, that is my biggest problem. I think as long as you realize the goal is not attainable and then adjust it accordingly, that's great. <laughs> sometimes I, cause I have that problem too, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, this goal's I'm never going to meet this goal. And I just throw my hands up in the air and I'm like, I give up. And it's like, no, Nicole, you can't do that. Just adjust the goal. Yeah. There's it's probably silly. a balance somewhere in between there. Haven't found it yet. We're, we're still looking. <laughs> yeah. I'm not great at the balance part either. Well, that concludes the third episode of this series. I hope you enjoyed hearing all of these stories. So coming into this, I expected this question, the challenge question, to be the harder one, not the role model question, and maybe not necessarily harder to answer, but harder to hear all of the answers. I kind of expected the challenge question to be a bit of a downer, but I'm honestly just inspired. In almost all cases, I either experienced similar challenges or developed new perspectives to deal with challenges. This series has been a pretty cool project, and I'm glad that all of you have come on this journey with me. In part four of this series, we're going to hear about what a typical day looks like for each of these women. This podcast is developed and produced by Gina Marin, Miriam Abdulrahman, Kara Sloat, Caitlin Fedorkiw, and me, Nicole Imason. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Glow Podcast so more people can find us. For our socials, search at Glow Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. That's G-L-O-E. We want to hear from you. What do you like or dislike about our show? What would you like to see us do with this platform? Please send your feedback to glowpodcast at gmail.com. We may even do a mailbag episode in the future, so let us know if you want to remain anonymous. Episode schedules can be found on our website at glow.ca. And our music is The Justice by Mountaineer. Thanks again for joining us today. And until next time, keep nerding out. <laughs>